Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's, as I mentioned earlier, it's good to be here. That hasn't changed since the last time I was up here, so it's still good to be here. Um, I, as, as I mentioned earlier as well, we, uh, we currently live in Georgia. I thought we were coming up here for the cool air of, of, uh, of where up north, and uh, it's been hotter up here than it has been when I was in Georgia. So uh, apparently, and I, you watch, you're probably like in the 70s there right now, and they're probably, actually I think it is hotter here than it is there, isn't it right now? So I'm originally from up north, I, I was originally from, I was born in Bourbonnet or Kankakee, Illinois, so I was originally born, and as, uh, as, as your pastor mentioned, I actually grew up on the mission field in the country of Argentina. And uh, so, yes, I do know what it's like to be a missionary, our missionary's kid at least, and I, I've uh, experienced a lot and lived a lot of that myself. And then uh, coming up to the States, and now moving down to Georgia where the ministry is located out of, and that's where kind of our central hub is. And um, it's I do, I do like Georgia, I do love Illinois though, that's my uh, kind of homeland I guess you could say, but it's a privilege and a wonderful to be here. I enjoy the church. You folks have been very kind and uh, thank you so much uh, Pastor for the uh, for the place to stay and that was very, very lovely and very wonderful. I appreciate that. And um, the, I, I really like the, the, the building you folks have here. It's very nice. I hope you appreciate it. Uh, there are a lot of churches today that are meeting under, un, under literally uh, just uh, some tin... I can't think of the word in English to say, but they live in just literally a tin roof is what they have. And sometimes not even walls. And I know that uh, it's always nice when we have a really nice AC and really beautiful building stuff. But you know something? Let's be thankful for what God has given us. And I, I, I've seen that if you take a look as well on some of the video, you'll see some of the, where these, some of these men meet and they, they have a church. Sometimes in the jungle, sometimes in the desert, wherever it may be. But what's important is that you're here to hear the Word of God. And that's why we should come to church. Isn't that right, amen? To hear the Word of God. So, as I mentioned earlier, please be praying for our ministry. Uh, be praying for uh, safety for us as we travel, uh, as we present the ministry. Be praying how you can do a part, how your church can be a part of this, how you personally can be a part of, of this, of seeing a church started. And um, because you, at the end, what, it's not going to matter what kind of job you had. When, when we stand before Christ, it's not going to matter how much money you made. What kind of car you drove, what kind of house you lived in, what's going to matter is what you did for Christ, and that's what that's what we have a, the opportunity to do. This is a way to do that, and we really strongly believe in what the Word of God has been doing in the hearts and lives of people, and uh, we uh, we just we ask and, and pray that you pray for us uh, through this. So please take your Bibles and turn to the Book of Mark, Mark chapter two, the Book of Mark chapter two. And if you would please stand with me in honor of God's Word as we read in Mark chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1, 2, and 3. And I would like you please to join with me in Mark chapter 2. And if you could please just read the second verse with me of Mark chapter 2. I will read the first and third verse of Mark chapter 2, but please join me on the second verse. Let's read. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house altogether. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. 
And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and for your message. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to be attentive. I pray that you would help us to apply these truths to our lives. Help us not to leave the same way as we came. But I pray that you would help to begin a work in our hearts that would flow from that to reach those around us, to reach those even in our own homes, Father, but to bring someone to Jesus. I pray and ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And you may be seated. Now, if you look at this story here, this is actually a pretty amazing story. And and you think of what had happened. Jesus had come to the city and He was in His house and it was the Bible says it was noise that He was in the house. They heard about it. It had spread. Uh, I don't think that they were tweeting about it or putting it on Facebook. But somehow or another, the old-fashioned way, the news spread. And the best way of spreading news sometimes is just telling somebody. I mean, I'll get back to it a little bit later. But the point is, is that they had it, it heard that Jesus was in the house. I don't know what the house looked like. I don't know if it was as big as this uh, as, as this auditorium. I don't know if it was a smaller room. I don't know if it, if it was shaped differently. But all I know is that when the folks found out that Jesus was there, the entire house was full. It was packed. What an amazing thing. Think about this for a second. When the words of Jesus were being spoken, people could not get enough of it. So much that it was literally... Full. The house was full. I'll tell you something this morning. The words of God are spoken in this house. And we should be faithful to God's house. And it's a wonderful thing. If Jesus was there, if I could just hear what Jesus had to say, I would be there. You know something? We have the word of God in our hands. And we have the opportunity to hear the word of God. Word to God that we would see our churches full. And you know what? God can still do a work in our churches today. We see that the house was full. It was literally packed. Packed full of people. And if you look at this, not only was it packed, but it, you couldn't even fit in to, the, into this, to this house. So much that we see that there was a man who was sick of the palsy. This man who had a disease. He had a physical problem. Because of his disease, he, was, he had four friends that took him up on top of the roof. They, Bible says they break open the roof. They lowered him down. And when Jesus, he looked at them, he, he looked at this man, he told the man, he said, um, thy sins be forgiven thee. All of a sudden people were gasping and saying, what in the world? And then later on Jesus explained what he was doing. And then he told this man to get up and walk. The man got up and walked away. A very familiar story. Who's ever heard this story before? This is a wonderful, beautiful story. But while it's maybe something that's familiar to us, I want to bring up an important thing about this story that can apply to each of us. Now, take a step back. The Word of God only has one interpretation. You don't look at a passage and say, well, this may, this means this to you, but I, I think it means something different. No, God said one thing and that's what He meant. If I tell my child to stand up and they sit down and say, well, Dad, I'm interpreting your standing up as me being actually seated. It doesn't quite work that way and it probably won't be a good rest of the day for them either. But I'm telling you right now that when God said something in His Word, it's what He said. He meant what He said and He said what He meant in His Word. Don't be confused. Don't let the devil fool you into thinking, well, you know, no, the Bible says the Bible is not a private interpretation. The Word of God says something, and that's what God means. But there are many, just as there's one interpretation, there are many applications. What is an application? Interpretation is what he meant. An application is, what does this mean to me? Or better yet, 
what am I going to do with the information that I have here? How am I going to take this and apply it to me? And that's the heart you should have. Can we have that heart this morning? The heart and the mindset of saying, God, you have something in this passage for me. How can I apply this to you? I want to bring to your attention three different kind of people. And each of us are one of these three kind of people this morning. And I want you to ask yourself, which one of you? And beyond that, I want you to ask Christ to help you to be the kind of person that He wants you to be. So we're going to look at three kind of people this morning. Look, let's look again. Let's look at verse 3. We're going to look at the first kind of person. Look at verse 3, what we see. It says, And they come unto Him, bringing one... Let's read those four words together. Sick of the palsy. That was pretty good. I think we can try it. Let's try that again. Let's read that together. One, sick of the palsy. Great job. There's a man here that is sick of the palsy. A man here who has a physical condition. I don't know what your conditions are. I don't know what your needs are. I know Pastor mentioned this morning about praying for uh, for someone who has cancer. My uncle recently, uh, my uncle is 49 years old and uh, just a few weeks ago had a massive stroke. It's 49 years old. I mean, that... I'm 31, and that already is getting me thinking, like, wow. And he had just gotten done running a marathon. So he wasn't somebody who, you know, it's kind of people that can never even leave their house kind of people. He was literally, I mean, he, he was in good shape, and he had a massive stroke. He had a physical problem, a physical disease. It's, it's, it's something that you can't control, something that God allows in your life for a specific reason. But we know he had some kind of physical problem. He, had a, he was sick of the palsy. He couldn't walk. He was a cripple. Back in those days, someone who was a cripple, someone who could not walk, the, that kind of person was someone that society had very little use for someone in that situation. Many times it's children, not necessarily in the Jewish uh, culture, but a lot of times children that had deformities or problems, parents would even sometimes abandon or even kill because it became such a burden on them. Folks, I am glad this morning that I was not too much of a burden for Jesus Christ. I'm glad that He, despite of who I am, He looked beyond my fault and saw my need and did something about that need and came to this old wicked earth to die on the cross for me. He did it for you as well. Don't ever look at yourself and say, I'm a burden to God, I'm a burden to the brother, and I'm a burden to the church. You know something? We are here to minister because of those burdens. But you know something? Christ died to save you in spite of you. But this man had a physical problem. I don't know exactly what he had tried. I'm sure he had tried all the different doctors. I'm sure, you know, he had, uh, you know, he, he had tried all the different prescription drugs, I'm sure, to fix himself. I'm sure he had been on the Obama website and uh, Obamacare and, and, it, and it, you know, he probably was one of the ones that was stuck and he wasn't able to get it to go through all the way. I don't know exactly what it was, but all I know is that of all the things he had tried, he hadn't tried the one thing that truly worked. That was Jesus. You know, like we try so many different solutions, don't we? We try so many. You can go to a library or a bookstore and you will see uh, an ocean of books that are self-help and do this and do that and success. But you know something? There is no true joy, peace, or love that does not come from Jesus Christ. Christian, do you believe that this morning? If you believe that, then live it. Christ came to save this man, but this man had a physical condition. But beyond his physical condition, as Christ pointed out when he was lowered down, he had a spiritual condition. He needed to be saved. Mm -hmm. Do you know something? When I was a young boy, 
I realize that spiritual condition that I had. I realize that I needed to be saved. No matter how good of a person I was, no matter if I went to church, no matter that my parents were, or my, my dad was a, was a preacher, none of that mattered. What mattered was is that I had a physical condition that could, uh, that's more beyond physical, a spiritual condition that could only be cured by one man, the great physician Jesus Christ. When he died on that cross for you, he died to save you of your spiritual condition. But I want you to look at yourself and ask yourself this morning. Are you like that man? Have you ever been saved? Do you know for sure, not just an experience, not, well, I turned over a leaf, or I was in a foxhole getting shot at, and then I, you know, I saw a 30-foot Jesus, or, you know, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to be a good person, and yeah, I believe in Christ, and yeah, He's going to save me, but, you know, if I do these things, it's going to help, you know, I give Jesus a little boost, you know, whatever it may be, if you're not saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, solely trusting in the finished work that He did on the cross, then you're not saved. That's all right. Don't live with doubts. Don't live with fear. Don't be a person who's fooling themselves. I, it, we would all think it's silly if someone who was blind refused to believe that they were blind and would try to try out try out for a driving test to get the driver's license. We'd be like, "What are you doing?" Then, if you're not saved, don't act like a person. Don't don't fool yourself into thinking that everything's fine. Because Jesus Christ saved you to change you out of your physical, and more importantly, your, not your physical, your spiritual condition. But let me take that a step further. If you are saved, wouldn't it be silly if this man who was saved and then was healed, what if he said, you know what, yeah, I'm healed, I can walk, now I'm looking, hey, alright guys, pick me up again, I'm ready to go. Wouldn't that have been silly? Wouldn't that have been strange, you know, if we see this man who all of a sudden, Jesus, he cured him, all of a sudden has to continue. What, what, you know the story of the man when Jesus stood on the ground, he took the, the mud and he put it on his eyes and had him go wash himself and then he could see again? You remember the story of the blind man? Wouldn't it be silly if after that he's like, alright, where's my dog? I need to keep on walking with my dog again. But as Christians, so many times, after we've been saved and the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to our lives and we're Christians, you know what happens? We continue to act the same way we did before. But if you come to reality and say, I'm not saved, I'm not sure that I'm on my way to heaven, get that settled this morning. Don't wait another day, don't wait another hour, get that settled today. Because Christ does not want you to stay in the position that you're in. Rather, He wants to transform and save you through the work He did on the cross. But you need to look at yourself and be honest. Just because you go to church, and I'm glad that you're here this morning. I'm so thankful that you're here. I know your pastor's thankful that you're here this morning. But just because you're here this morning does not mean that you have a home in heaven. We talk a lot when we go out and knock on doors and invite people to church. We do that. I do that every Thursday and Saturday because I want. You know, that's what Christ commanded us to do. And when we do that, you know, and more importantly, everybody in Georgia goes to church. I'm telling you right now, everybody in Georgia, unless they're Muslim, which we have a lot of those too, um, but unless they're unless they are, uh, pretty much all of them go to church. You know, more importantly than you have a home church is that you have a home in heaven. Mm-hmm. Are you saved this morning? Are you like that first man before he met Christ and had beyond a physical condition a spiritual condition? That the only prescription, the only remedy, is Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, 
Trust Him as your Savior. If that's you this morning, get it settled. I don't care if you've been going to this church since the day the doors open. I don't care if you've been, you've been going to church your whole life. Get it settled today. So that's the first person we see. Let's look at the second person. Let's go back to verse 3 again. Look what it says for the second person here. And we see it says in verse in verse uh, verse three it says in um, verse three and they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was let's read these three words together, born of four. So we see not only do we see the man that was sick of the palsy, the man who was an unsaved person, but we also see the next kind of person that we see this morning is one of these four men. Now, we don't know who these men were. We don't know their names. The Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know, you know, their background. We don't know if they had previously been healed by Jesus. And they said, you got to you gotta see Jesus now. We don't know if these were men that were uh, disciples that would follow Jesus. One of the, you know, the, the other countless disciples that Jesus had that would follow him. Not necessarily one of the twelve. We don't know. But what we do know about these men was that they understood and had a few things that that what Christ saw in them made him marvel. Now, it's got to be pretty impressive if you know everything. If you're omniscient, which Christ is omniscient, amen? If you know everything, it's pretty amazing when you can get someone to marvel, which means they're saying, wow. So what, were the, what made these four men special? Because I tell you right now, what Christ wants you to be is one of four. One of these four men. Let's look at a few things. First of all, I want you to realize that these men had a heart of sacrifice. Look at verse B, what, uh, verse 3. It says, which was born. That means carried. Which was lifted. Which was hoisted. Which was born... Of four. They had a heart of sacrifice. You know what that meant? That meant that sacrifice means you give up something. It means that you no longer look at what you want and you need. Rather, you sacrifice it. That's why many times in the Old Testament, when they would give sacrifice, it wasn't just, well, this is what we have to do. No, they would sacrifice going beyond and saying, this is, we're going to sacrifice to God because we want to worship God and we want to love God. They had to give up something. We know salvation isn't through a sacrifice because that sacrifice has already been made on the cross. But if we're saved, what Christ wants from you is being willing to sacrifice for someone else. Be willing to sacrifice saying, you know what, I know I have needs, I know I have wants, but rather than putting what I want and what I need, I'm going to put someone else's needs ahead of my own. As Christians, so many times do we focus on our own problems, we focus on our own needs, on our own desires, rather than focusing on someone else. You know something? I don't know if this if these these four men have physical problems. They may have. How do we know that these men didn't have some kind of some kind of disease? How do we not know that these four men didn't have some kind of problem? We don't. But what we see is they had a heart of sacrifice. Listen, folks, we as Christians need to have a desire. We need to have a desire to look and see the needs of others. And how, as through Christ, we can reach those people. He said, you know what, Brother Kyle, I wish, I, 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 I wish I, I, we'd see more people in church. Or I, I, I wish that we would see more things. God doing this or, or that. 
You can fill in the blank with whatever you want. But as Christians, if we have a mindset that focuses on ourselves rather than on what Christ wants us to focus on, we lose focus on what truly matters. These men had a heart of sacrifice, a sacrificial heart. We live in a society today that focuses on, on us, don't we? This is me, what I want. I, I worked in the corporate world for a few years. And trust me, one of the things they tell you, you need to be focusing on you and on you, on your development, on what you can get, what you want. You want something, go and get it. But you know what Christ teaches us is that you need to look beyond and what others need. And I'll tell you what right now. If you look out those windows, if you look out that front door, if you look all around this area, listen folks. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see a world that needs Christ. You're going to see a world that needs, listen folks, you're going to see a world that needs Someone to be willing to sacrifice. Someone to be willing to give. Someone, whether it's crossing the street, whether it's around the world, saying, I care, I'm going to bring someone to Jesus. Too often are we worried where I'm going to sit or who if I'm going to be in church, if it's warm, if it's cold, whatever it may be, rather than worrying if someone, if we are bringing someone to Jesus. But it starts with your heart. It starts with you having a sacrificial heart, saying, I'm going to put others... First, not only these men have a sacrificial heart. Listen closely as we move on. But these men also had a mind that was set. Look at verse four. Look, everybody, look at verse four quickly with me. It says, "And when they could not, when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, that means that literally it was packed because they couldn't even get in. They uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, let down the bed wherein the sick." Of the palsy lay. Listen, folks, these men had a mind that was set. They didn't allow any obstacle to keep them from bringing someone to Jesus. How often do we lay obstacles for God? God wants to use you to bring, if you're saved, God wants to use you to influence someone for Christ. Yet so many times do we put obstacles in the way of God. Oh, well, we get excuses. Oh, I can't. I'm busy. Or you know what? Oh, I just, I don't really think I'm embarrassed. Do you know something? It's, it's not hard to give someone a track. It's not hard to say, you know what? Hey, I'd love to invite you to church. But we allow obstacles. Could you imagine if these men were like, they here they have the man sick of the palsy. And they're trying to get in. They can't fit in because it's packed, right? It's a good thing. It's a good problem to have, right? But it's packed. And then all of a sudden, as, as it's packed, they're trying to get them in. And they're like, well, sorry, George, or whatever his name is. I don't, I don't know what his name was. You know, Sorry, Ben Hur, or whatever. We can't get you in. We tried. Oh, it's just too tough. You know kind of how it is where you're like... You, you're supposed to do something you really don't want to do, and then when you there's like the tiniest bit of obstacle, oh, it's raining, it's like sprinkling, can't take out the garbage, oh, too bad. We do that so often. Whereas these men said, you know, I don't care. I don't care if I have to destroy public property, private property in this case. I'm not, no, I'm not saying you need to go and start tearing up people's roofs, okay? <laughs> Unless you're a roofer, please don't do that. But these men. Brought this guy up. He said, we got to get this guy to Jesus. I don't care if I have to 
ask them time and time again. I don't care if I'm going to get made fun of. I don't care if my neighbors think I'm weird. I don't care if my family members have told me no. I'm going to have the right testimony. I'm going to have the right attitude. And I'm going to be willing to bring somebody to Jesus. Not just willing, but in action, going out there and bringing someone to Jesus. Listen, folks, you know what Christ needs? He doesn't need, he doesn't need a bunch of super Christians. He needs Christians that are willing to go out and bring someone to Jesus. Don't let an obstacle stop you. Don't let anything that would get in the way keep you from bringing someone to Jesus. There's plenty of excuses we can find. There's plenty of things. Even Christ, as we see in Hebrews 12 too, what it says that He endured the shame. He, 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 it didn't matter what it was. He finished the course. He set the example for us on the cross. And as Christians, if we can think anybody should have an excuse not to follow through, it would have been Jesus. Yet He has set Himself as our example. Be faithful to Him. But not only, that, but they, not only did they have a heart of sacrifice, a mind that was set, but these four knew who was the Savior. Look at verse 5, what it says. Look at verse 5. It says, when Jesus saw their... What's that word, folks? When He saw their faith, He said unto the sake of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. You know, they knew that it wasn't through their effort. It wasn't through their power. They knew there was only one person that could save. So many times do we as Christians, hey, we're saved and we know. But how many times have we looked at people on the street? People that maybe we even know, maybe we don't know, but we look... Look at that person. They're covered with tattoos. There's no way they're going to get saved. Now, we wouldn't say that because we, we're, we're not dumb. We're not going to be like, God can't save that person. But we act that way. Well, you know, they wouldn't want to. We justify it, right? They wouldn't want to hear the Word of God. They wouldn't want me to give them a track. They wouldn't want me to invite them. Well, then we look at people and we say, man, that person... A witch wouldn't want to get saved, right? You know, I, I preached this a few months ago in a church, and I said sometimes we even look and we would see someone who was saved a Wiccan or something like that, and, and covered in tattoos and all these kind of crazy things, and then we're like, oh, they wouldn't want to get saved. But you know, God can save them just as much as He can save you. After the service, a lady came up to me and she said, I used to be a Wiccan. She said, in a couple weeks, I'm actually going to have to miss church because I'm going to be at one of the biggest Wiccan, which are witches, convention. Passing out tracts the entire time and witnessing to people. I preached the very next Sunday in another church. Someone else came up to me and said, I used to be a Wiccan too. But how often do we fit God into a box? Oh, God's all powerful. We sing, I sing the mighty power of God. But we don't live it. Do you realize it was there? What was it? Faith. Brother Kyle, I don't have that kind of faith. You know what faith is? Faith is realized when we put it into action. Hudson Taylor said, God is not looking for Christians of great faith, but He's looking for Christians that will obey. You know what the, what the song about? Trust and... Oh, you know what trusting is? What? What is, what is trusting? Faith. 
Trusting is realized when you obey. Trusting is faith. When you have faith and you obey, God can do great things. These men, these four men, they realized that his needs were greater than theirs. Not only that, and they were willing to overcome any obstacle to get this man, but not only that, but these four men knew who the Savior was. They knew that they needed to get him to Christ. I don't care if it's you need to, maybe God's putting someone on your heart this morning, someone that you know and that you cared about. Maybe it's someone that serves you coffee in the mornings. Maybe it's someone at your work. Maybe it's someone in your home. Maybe it's a loved one that lives somewhere across the country. Whoever it may be that God's put on your heart, maybe it's God just simply saying, you know what, you need to make a decision today that you're going to be one of four. And say, I'm going to bring the gospel and bring others to Jesus. Maybe you say, you know, I'm not very good at witnessing. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to learn. I'm going to be a disciple. By the way, we have a discipleship uh, study at our class on Wednesdays. And um, it, it's been going great. I encourage you to be, to, to, to be here for the services for that. And, and learn and be able to teach others also. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 too. But you know something? Sometimes it's just a matter of just getting people into church. And let the Word of God do its work. So we see first, the man who was sick of the palsy. Second, the man who's one of four. And finally, look at the last one and we're finished. Look at verse verse 1 again. It says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the Word unto... Read that last word, folks. That. You see, the third person that we see is a person that's faithful to church or in church, but many times content to just sit in a pew, simply sing a song and just, well, I do what I do. But too often do we see in our churches Christians that are content with simply taking up space. I want you to picture this for a moment. Let's say we go back to Capernaum and we have this place that's full. Jesus is speaking. The house is packed. And we have the four men. They're, they have that sacrificial heart, that mind that's set. They know the Savior. they got to get them there. And as they're trying, they're trying to get in. There's this wall of people. There's no sycamore tree for them to climb. There's no way to get to Jesus. What if all of a sudden the person in the back hears some rustling behind him? As he's trying to focus on Jesus, he hears some noise. That's okay. But he turns around and he sees, my goodness, look at this guy. This guy can't even walk. And there's four guys carrying him. I'm sure they're tired. I'm sure it's a 96% humidity. Probably not in Israel. But still, it's hot. Let's, let's get him in. And one of you says, hey, we need to help this guy. He bumps the person next to him. And all of a sudden, they pick this guy up and they start carrying him. And then all of a sudden, the other people says, whoa, we got to get this guy to Jesus. And all these people start carrying this man. It would have been the world's first. It would have been a biblical body surf is what it would have been. They could have got this man all the way to Jesus. I'm sure the owner of the house would have been much happier. Yet, the people were just standing Unaware of the needs of others. Becoming the obstacle rather than overcoming the obstacle. So focused on their own priority and needs that they failed to see 
the needs of another. I mentioned this morning in Sunday school, I talked about bringing forth fruit. As a Christian, one of the best fruit you can have is seeing someone brought to Christ. Say, Brother Kyle, I don't know what to say. I'm not. Just get them into church. Live a life that can back up what you're going to say as well. Sometimes people, I think there's some people that don't want to witness because they already have ruined their testimony. Keep a good testimony, but invite people to the house of God. Share the word of God. Give someone a track. But make a decision that you're not going to simply take up space. That you're not simply just going to sit in a pew and say, you know what, well, I'm here to hear the word, I'll show up when I can. No, make a decision for God. Say, I'm going to get on fire for God. I'm going to have a passion for souls and for the lost. And I'm going to see some people in heaven because of what Christ can do for them. Too often do we think, well, that's just not me, that's just not my personality. You know something? If that's not your personality, then ask God to help you because that's God's command. Many times we have a lot of reasons why we can't do it. But as Christians, we have to make a decision. It's not something that you just wake up with. It's you leaving this building this morning and saying, by God's grace, I will be one of four. Can you say it with me this morning? I will be one of four. Let's say it. I will be one of four. But make a decision that you're going to live that. And say, well, everyone else may be standing around. I'm going to find someone and bring them to Jesus. Many times we look for reasons we can't. And I'll finish with this. But there was a little lady in Africa, a little blind lady who had been led to the Lord by a, by a missionary. And this little blind African lady went to this missionary and she said, she took a Bible to him, a little French Bible, and she said, will you please underline John 3.16? The missionary kind of scratching his head a little bit saying, wondering why in the world a little blind lady who's handicapped, right? She, she should be the one we should be tending to, right? I mean, we all got problems, right? I mean, should people be attending to me but rather, why is she doing this? So finally underlines it. And then, he, and then he says, okay, well, what do you need it for? And kind of this conversation went somewhere else, and she left. And the missionary decided, out of curiosity, to follow her one day and see what she, why she was doing that, and why she wanted that. So he followed her, and she would make her way over to a little boys' school, a young men's school, and she would sit outside. And when the classes would end for the day, and the young men would leave and head off to wherever they would work or help their family, whatever it was, she would call one of them over to her. And when she would call one of the young African men to her, she would ask them, say, well, do you know how to read French? The young man in school would say, yes, I do know how to read French. You take the Bible and say, would you please read this underlying verse for me? I'm blind, I can't read. And he would read, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed him should not perish but have everlasting life. And she would ask him, she would say, do you know what you do you understand what you just read? And they would say, Well, no. So well let me tell you what it says. Amen. The missionary tells that, that little old blind lady 
who many of us would just not even think much about. But that there were 24 pastors, not converts, pastors, that were preaching in Africa that had been led to the Lord by a little African blind. When we're tempted to say, well, I'm just going to we'll let the pastor do the work. Well, you know, it's fine. We have to make a decision to say, I will be one of four. A lot of times we don't believe that God can use us. But just as we don't believe, as, as we put God in a box and we say, God can't save so-and-so, we do the same thing when we say, God can't use me. But you have to be willing and obedient to be one of four. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Help us to have a desire and a passion to bring others to Christ. Father, there's a great need in this city. There's a great need in our country and around the world. And you didn't give the commission to angels or to anyone but us. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be like these four men and to bring someone to Jesus. We thank you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Spoke your heart. Hope you come. Let's all stand. Good chance to come to the altar. Maybe there's somebody you've been praying for. Good time to come pray for their soul.